You're listening to the Geek Saga podcast. This episode features audio of the ASWA fan panel that took place at San Diego Comic-Con 2022. Everyone excited to be back after three years, Comic-Con? Yeah! I got a little bit too excited to get in at Funko Fun Days, hurt my voice. Thankfully, I have three great panelists here who are going to help carry this. I'm, I'm doing a moderating role anyway, but my name is Amin. I'm from Podcast Vice and Fire, and I'll let my panelists introduce themselves. Hello, my name is Tara. I am the organizer of Ice and Fire Con, which was the first ever Song of Ice and Fire Game of Thrones convention in the US. And I also do a couple podcasts, one's called Sagas and Sass, it's a genre lit podcast where we cover one book series at a time. And I also have the Geek Saga podcast, which is where you'll be able to find the recording of this panel after uh, San Diego Comic Con is over. Hey everybody, I'm Aziz. I'm with the History of Westeros podcast. It's uh, We cover the backstory and front story of the Song of Ice and Fire in Game of Thrones, and it's a full-time thing. It's a lot of fun. We love talking to stuff. Hi there, I'm Michelle. I'm Aziz's co-host at History of Westeros, and I would like to say Ice and Fire Con is a lovely time. I recommend to all fans of Song of Ice and Fire. I like to call it Song of Ice and Fire Summer Camp. Yep, yep. It's a little smaller. <laughs> is there anyone that's here from our, our panel three years ago? Just I'm curious as everyone's thinking. Okay, well, I mean, we've got House of the Dragon now, so that's something exciting, right? So that's what we're going to be mostly talking about, but Game of Thrones as well. Just put the, our, our names and just a little outline. This is the most text uh, heavy we have. It's not, it's not that much, but uh, we're going to talk mostly about House of the Dragon and uh, then talk a bit about residual Game of Thrones thoughts and also uh, the other spin-offs coming up and then. If we say anything during the panel, you have a question, come up ideally or put up your hand. We're, we encourage questions during the panel and at the end as well. We want to get the interaction here. We've got a good audience here. We want to take advantage of the panelists' knowledge here. So if you've got a question, come up or put up your hand and we'll, we'll get to you. I highly suggest using the mic though because yes. especially if the noise from out there continues, it's going to be hard to hear you. Right, and we want to record the, the question as well. We have to yes. repeat the question every time. So ideally just kind of line up, but if you, you can't make it up there or whatever, it's fine. Clap your hand. Um, so I'm gonna, with that ado, I'm going to let our panelists go into House of the Dragon. They're a little well-versed, so everybody tell us about House of the Dragon. Well, you guys were in the panel today. <laughs> yeah, so. we came from Hall H, uh, where we saw an extended trailer and about uh, 11 cast members and the co-creator, Ryan Hondahl, George R. R. Martin himself. Unfortunately, Miguel Sapochnik, who is the other co-creator and who y'all might know as being one of the directors of Game of Thrones, got COVID and he wasn't able to make it to the panel. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah too bad for that. Yeah. Um, but as you can see, it is not created by the same people who made Game of Thrones, which I think is important to note. But it does have some of the same people involved behind the scenes, like Remy Dradi, who did the music, or David J. Peterson, who did the languages. So there's that connective tissue. Yeah, and those are really important for creating the same vibe, um, using some of the same filming techniques as well. Even if it's different people, in some cases, you want to have that feel. Like, Star Wars has a feel, Star Trek has a feel, and if they're expanding this into a multi-product um, pro- fandom in the long run, well, they want to you know, get it, develop that. So this is such, as the second, the, the first expansion of the original, it really, that, it's really important to establish that. I think it's really exciting that 
in, in Game of Thrones, they really had very limited writers and very limited directors. And as you can see up there, they have a much larger writer's room where it's split 50-50, women and men. They've got the same for directors. And I think that's really important to like show, you know, a well-rounded story from multiple perspectives. So that's cool. Now, while we, this, as far as Ryan Condal goes as well, he was the first one brought on for this project. And he, now David and Dan read the books, but Ryan was huge fan of the books, mm -hmm. like someone who knows the world really well, and like someone who read them and was like, this would be really good to make an adaptation of. Um, so it's a, someone who's more involved, which is, a, which, you know, we like to see that, someone who knows the details better, someone who's not going to, if you all read the Entertainment Weekly article, there was a, there was a suggestion that they should change some names, he's like, we can't. I was just about to bring that up. Of course, of course then I later <laughs> thought of the fact that some of the characters in the late part of the Answer Dragons are named Kermit Tully, Elmo Tully, they might have to change Grover Tully, but Daron and 12 Aegons, we'll leave that because that's, that's part of the feel. <laughs> yeah, when, when they said they weren't changing names, I was like, yes, because I, I'm sorry, but it will never cease to annoy me that they thought Asha and Osha were too close, but then they changed Asha's name to Yara, which, you know, isn't too close to Arya, apparently. <laughs> said in the panel we were at in Hall 8, she said one thing he appreciated about doing House of the Dragon is that they had a lot more leeway to under, to not underestimate the audience. We have something on our podcast we call the Law of Conservation of Characters, where we understand that like sometimes for simplicity's sake, they do have to do that. And he said that they really have been avoiding doing that for House of the Dragon because they're trying to be like, look, you guys aren't idiots. You can follow <laughs> along. Like, studios often underestimate their audience. Yeah, and, and even people who don't maybe notice that there's been three different brand nacers, which like, then they don't care. But people like us, we do care. And we're like, yes, that's great detail. We, we appreciate that. So, yeah, it's, it's in better hands. I well, I mean, and, and Ryan was basically handpicked by Martin himself. Yeah, he was. Yeah, so. he, yeah he hired him. He, they had dinner together, and then George like called him a couple years later. And George went to visit um, him on set at a pilot that Ryan was working on. He was like, guy seems like he might be able to do me justice. And George himself now has a five-year deal with HBO from 21 on to make, to expand his world, which that wasn't in place before. He was more like a consultant or, I don't know what exactly what he was, but he's a much more bought into the process now. So that's great too. So out of curiosity, did they, in the panel today, was there any, up, were there any updates or changes to some of the things that have been announced maybe weeks ago where, I was reading one article and it said that they were only really planning on three to four seasons um, and also that the Civil War arc is probably going to be like shorter than what readers would expect, which... I mean, the, the story that, where they're starting in the Fire and Blood story is, it's not very long. It's a big chunk of that book. Yeah. But as stories go, it's what, a couple hundred, few hundred pages? Yeah, out of, like, Fire and Blood is like 900 pages, I think, if I remember right. And well, maybe it's like three or four. I think it's like, yeah, I think that's like a good, maybe a quarter of it. But still, that's but like shorter than one game of Aftermath, <laughs> yeah, so there's, exactly. Because there's no, they have so much to fill in. And one thing we thought that's kind of, kind of a, funny thing to realize is the first season is going to cover like 29 years, 28 years, mm. and then the next season will cover probably a few months. months. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like so, a 10-year time jump, right? Yeah, yeah, in between episodes five and six, apparently that's when the actors will switch, the younger 
vertical Asia. So, uh, As you'll see, I think on our next slide, that we can move on sure. and talk a little bit about that. And just a quick question for the audience. I'm curious, actually, so who has read like the written materials with House of the Dragon? And everyone else is going by. So it's kind of a, a mix again. And okay. that's my question for, for the panel. Uh, I, I, myself, I enjoyed the written materials, but I'm not as attached to them as I was mm -hmm. to source books. And I feel like that might be the same for many people. It might help with the problem of like reading materials and then being disappointed with the show. I think it might actually help enjoyment of the show, but what do you think on that? Yeah, that's a great point because, for one thing, they're not having to make their own ending. It's just by itself. Is yep. Um, and, but they also, in some ways it's better, in some ways it's worse. In terms of what makes it better, they have a lot of room to create and read between the lines. They have to characterize these, these historical figures. They have to give them personalities. And some of these are really good actors. Some of them are going to do a fantastic job of that. And they're, we're going to see them in ways we had never imagined before. And, it's, and the ones who do the do it really well, that's going to kind of overwrite our own. We're going to see that character from now on. And, you know, when you read, go back and read the book, like, well, now I'm thinking of Patty Constantine as Viserys. Uh, especially, that's harder to do with Game of Thrones because you formed more of an idea of who Tyrion was by reading about it. Because you've got to hear his dialogue. You see him go have a drink and be with him on normal day-to-day -day activities. You don't have that with these characters. You have a maester writing about them years later, and that's the perspective you're getting. So... That is what you're saying. There's so much room to build. They have to write the dialogue and all this other stuff. They spoke to that a little bit in the uh, panel this morning. Um, they revealed that Emily Carey, who plays young Alice in Hightower, journaled um, a bunch to create the backstory for Allison. That they, they gave the actors a little bit of leeway to really craft their character because we don't really know that much about, like, Allison's as a child, or you know, things we like know that. Her mother's name. Yeah. Well, can yeah. we now like start a petition to publish the journal? <laughs> <laughs> yes. That would that be amazing. Yes, release the Allison cut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Allison cut. <laughs> um, but yeah, as you can see, there we have. Um, they're doing kind of. I, I think a lot of people compare it to what they what they did with the Crown, um, where where they recast yeah. actors and age them up. Um, and so we do have that for some actors, for some characters, and not for others. Like Matt Smith is Damon Targaryen the whole way through. Viserys, Patty Constantine is Viserys the whole way through. But for our um, our female leads, um, Alicent and Rhaenyra, they will age up, as will uh, a number of other characters. Yeah, and to answer the other part of your question, as far as the idea that it'll be maybe three seasons of, of the Dance of Dragons, maybe they'll do other stuff. I think that is. Absolutely possible. It's going to depend a lot on how this first season goes. Um, yeah. They're they're not even they're not even certain there'll be a season two. But I mean, at this point, there will be. They just, they just to make sure there's some, you know there's no reason for them to confirm it now. If, you know, <laughs> as you're a corporate executive, it's like they just will wait till we see the reaction and all that. But uh, yeah, so there's they're they're going to expand so much, so many stories. There's a, five you know different scripts of. Are being written for other shows that we know about. There's there's more than that though. There's there's more beyond that. They said that there's other ones they just haven't leaked yet. So if they're really putting the full court press on stories. And George has said that they won't all be about battling for the Iron Throne. So that but you have to set up the epic stories before you can sort of dial it back and fill it be in the world. The, yeah. You know, and kind of take your time more. Well, I'll put up the list for you guys to comment on that. But before we move on from House of the Dragon, is there any questions for our panelists on House of the Dragon? Yeah, over there. Hello, my name is Alan Elder, and I've been a fan of Thrones since it first came on, and, well, 
I didn't write this to you, but uh, are you familiar with the Blue Rays history and lore of Game of Thrones? Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Well, I don't remember which season it was, but eventually they told the tale of the Dance of the Dragon, which mm -hmm. is unfortunately the story of the House of the Dragon. Oh, yeah. Although it would be a little bit different to House of the Dragon, because what they showed in history and lore is one maester's tale, whereas this is the objective what actually happened. So there will be some differences. In Fire and Blood, there are so three different versions. are going to be changing what they put in history and lore. I'm saying that they're going to be choosing different interpretations based on, in Fire and Blood, there are multiple perspectives. There's yeah. multiple yeah. people telling the tale, and those stories conflict. So for House of the Dragon, they will have to pick an objective version. Imagine a real history book. Imagine a real history book where there's, imagine a real history book where there's, uh, multiple history books, like you have different coverage of the same era. Three different authors writing about the Roman era. If they disagree on something, what do you do? That's what Hat Fire and Blood is presented as, the book. There are three of George writes in multiple sources that disagree constantly over what actually happened. The history and lore doesn't get into that either, the, the video you're referring to. The show is going to have to make decisions on what actually happened, rather than presenting multiple different views. That's why it's different. Well, and also, Mark, keep in mind, Martin is a lot more heavily involved with this show than he yeah, ever he didn't write was with Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, he, I don't know how much, if anything, he, he had to do with them. very involved in histories and lore. Like, yeah. for example, in histories and lore, the, it, the history and lore is just incorrect because they show the strong boys. Um, they show um, Rhaenyra's children as having, um, we lost our screen. We, they show the, them as having uh, blonde, silver hair, when in canon they have brown hair. So the history and lore is actually incorrect, like, pretty definitively. Yeah. Um, in other words, you've, uh, you've added more to it. Yes. Yeah. They've had um, to expand it. They've yeah, they, they the have blanks. to. Yeah, well, there's a lot of missing stuff. All yeah. right, consider me invested. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting question. I mean, we, there is, as you say, a way to get around it, but like, you yeah. could even ask, should they even feel bound by it? I mean, do they have to feel bound by it? But, I mean, they have the reason to get around it anyway. Yeah. They, they don't need to be feel bound by it because, again, because it's a history book, that they don't have to say that it was correct. I don't know. No we, one don't, there. we don't trust those greater ministers anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but I do remember like getting those different viewpoints. I remember like one was so sympathetic to this character, and I was like, oh, it's just about one person spin yeah, on it, right? You can see the bias. It's really yeah. written. He, George really tried to write it like real history is presented in, in our world, as if it was genuine. Uh, with all that conflict and things that probably didn't actually happen or missing details, because I mean, if we look at our own history, I mean, real history books are like that. They, they leave out so much because. Those people weren't there. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Do we have one or two other questions here? So somebody put up their hand. So as you've said, there are a number of characters that we really don't really know much about, and they have to really flesh out, like Nelson, like Otto Hightower. Mm -hmm. um, do you think they're going to lean into making some of these characters XVs from a Game of Thrones show, like Allison leaning into Cersei, or Otto Hightower leaning into Tywin Lannister? Um, for certain characters. Well, for anyone who did read the um, Entertainment Weekly um, article about it, they spoke a little to that something that was a, um, really caught my eye, which was that the actors a lot of the actors auditioned with scenes from Game of Thrones. So, for example, older Rain older Alicent auditioned with Cersei scenes. Um, young Rhaenyra auditioned with Arya scenes, um, and uh, I forget which some of the other ones were, but. In terms of your Tywin comparison, they actually had an interesting comparison where they said Corlys was a little bit like Tywin, and Otto is more of like a Littlefinger type character, I think. Although I think you can see 
parallels um, between Otto and Tywin for sure, and between you know, Coralise and other characters as well. Yeah, some comparisons will be natural, others will be just like, you can kind of see vibes of this character here and there, and I think they'll want to do some homages. Yeah, like there's that. certain like archetypes that yeah. you hit in, in a lot of media in general, I think, where you have your, your mischievous girl, or you have your rule follower, or something like that. And you always have to have ambitious types. It's a court, it's, a, it's the center of power. There's certain aspects that just have to be present in some of these characters, if not lots of them. I think that Otto, too, is actually more of a hybrid Tyrell. Like, he's got he's got a little bit of Mace and a lot of Olenna, right? Like it's, which, of course, as a high tower, he'd probably, you know, hate to sense. hear that he's like a Tyrell. But. That's lowly Tyrell. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what were the, the two colors? Was it the greens and the blacks? Yes. And which, which side do you, do you support? Like, when you were... <laughs> no. Well, I can tell you that um, I've seen a lot of polls online, and the blacks destroy the greens. Like, pretty much every poll I see is, like, 80% blacks to 20% greens. I do support the blacks, kind of, because I do think Rainier had the better claim. But honestly, I'm team game and pale hair. Um, <laughs> child of uh, two sex workers in, in Fleetbottom King's Landing, Essie and Sylvetta, and he had very progressive policies. Um, so, like, if I were to say I want someone to be king, it would probably be him. I have a feeling they're going to balance it out more from the TV presentation. Mm. She's totally yes. right. There's a, in the book fandom, there's a huge disparity. Blacks are much more popular than the Greens uh, in terms of their claim. Not necessarily in terms of individual And that's characters. not really fun to watch. It has to be right. so yeah. one-sided. Yeah, so I think they know that. If they don't know, well, they don't need to know that. They can just present it the way they want to present it balanced, I think. That you're not going to love either side necessarily. You may agree with certain aspects, but even with like Rainier is going to disappoint at some points and be great at other times, like, just like all people are. So, um, I think them, the fact that they're going to be showing Allison and Rhaenyra's friendship, which is something mm -hmm. that the book, I don't... They were nine years apart. Yeah, they were. Yeah, really they, yeah, exactly. Like so, the fact that they're building that a little bit is, I think, going to make it. It's going to make everything a lot have a lot more oomph. When I'm already heartbroken by the idea of like thinking about like their childhood best friends who grow apart, and like that's a really sad thing to think about for me personally. I, I didn't expect to feel so much without even seeing the show for the idea of like Allison right here having a conflict. You're looking at them, you're like, oh, they're getting along, and their children are going to kill each other someday. <laughs> 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 But uh, yeah, that yeah. But that's what Game of Thrones does, right? It, you don't without high stakes, you, you won't be emotionally invested. Mm -hmm. And uh, even when we know that a lot of it's going to be tragic, there'll be some good moments too, though I'm sure. <laughs> some uplifting moments. If you have any further one questions uh, for House of the Dragon, please come up and put up your hands. I do have one more question uh, on that, though. Is the Greens, if I recall, is, is the High Tower side, right? That's yeah. And I, I, I mean, not to get too in depth, but it's almost like it, it was like it's like the Andals' resurgence in a way because the Targaryens, because there's, so, there's a lot of Andal families Absolutely. on that side, mm -hmm. right? Do you agree on that? Yeah, yeah definitely. There is a lot of that uh, older power or Andal or first man power. And I, I think they'll be doing a lot with the, the, the faith of the seven mm -hmm. and that, that conflict with the high towers as they you know are from Old Town where the faith resides. I think that they will have uh, a bit of a religious component to yeah. them. Yeah, and the Greens, were, a lot of them were raised with their high tower in laws and raised at King's Landing, where a lot of the blacks were raised at Dragonstone. So there's definitely some like, different internal cultures going on as well. And, with one house has all this Targaryen ancestry, the Valarian ancestry, and so that's just more influential on their on their characters, and that's going to play. Whereas, like she said, the Seven, that's going to be more prominent. You saw how important the High Sparrow was. I don't think we'll have a character like that necessarily. Maybe we will, but um, they'll be really important. And they're and they're more. This is an era where they're more powerful in the first place. Their power had 
dropped off over the years, especially as the Targaryens did too. So expect them to be a player in the game. <laughs> Put it in, uh, in terms that you're familiar with. <laughs> Is there anything else you wanted to cover on House of the Dragon, or should I move on to yeah. spin-offs? Here's a question. Oh. You look beautiful, by the yeah. way. Yes, great I'm time. To read. I, I can tell. <laughs> okay. I think because this story is the most fleshed out in Fire and Blood, and I think if it does well, it will enable them to tell some of those yeah. other stories. Yeah. Well, and there's also there's also a built-in conflict, which showing not that there is no conflict, obviously, in the previous you know reigns, but with this one, there is a built-in warlike conflict, and I think what they are probably assuming is. People are more likely to watch this, be invested in it, be interested in it, because it is a little bit more similar to the formula that worked for them with Game of Thrones. Yeah, with like the Conquest, for example, you would have, there might be conflict, but it wouldn't be, the, con the war conflict would be pretty straightforward, because they're just going to roll, <laughs> steamroll the continent, right. and they get, then they get mired in Dorne, and that might be interesting. But, uh, and then with Magor, it presents the problem we described earlier, where you know who you're you're not rooting for him, you're rooting for the other guys. That's but right. on, on note, they have said that with the name House of the Dragon, they have set themselves up to have mm -hmm. a framework that after they do three or four seasons of the Dance of Dragons, they could go back in time and do Aegon's Conquest or even the Doom of Valyria they brought up as an idea, as a limited series, like part of, just part of House of the Dragon, but they'll jump around in time. So we might have that to look forward to. George specifically joked around. He's like, people probably wouldn't be that interested in just Harry's building roads. I would be. <laughs> I want to I see Good Queen Alison holding her women's courts, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of spinoffs and prequels, you have the, the oh, list Lord, up here. So Anything that catches your eye? I mean, with, with regard to... The snow that's kind of going to the bottom of the barrels, and like, what, what's going to happen? <laughs> In the words of Jon Snow himself, I don't want it. <laughs> but. Okay, so we can tell you that I, per I also had the reaction, I was like, really? I don't know about that. And we happen to know people um, who were involved, and who said when they heard about it, they were like, eh, I don't want that. And then they read the treatment, and she was like, oh. This is pretty good. So yeah. I'm like, I still, I still personally am like, I want all these other projects before yes. I want the snow show. <laughs> yes. But I feel a little bit better knowing that someone I know and respect read it and was like, damn. And like George approved of it. Like himself, Kit Harrington is the one who brought it to George and had this concept. So color me a little bit intrigued but again if you see we have so many other shows that we could do mm -hmm. that sounds so exciting and this is a good reminder whatever like any show it's just the writing really matters probably mm -hmm. more than anything else if snow is written well we'll like it period like yeah i'm like eh, i'm ambivalent too but if it's good it's good right there's no that that's what's going to determine how well it's written so yeah even if the, if the initial idea maybe isn't doesn't land with you the writing could Fix or or destroy it if it's not you know can make it like a total disaster but it won't get made if it's probably that bad yeah. anyway so that, that's how I kind of like baseline expectation it's pretty hard to know until you know 
there's a script. I mean, I'm really intrigued in the Corliss one because mm. A, I love pirates, and B, like the, with the right treatment, there's some, I mean, there's some great pirate shows out there, Black Sails, and, and I mean, honestly, the, the original Pirates of the Caribbean movie, the yeah. first one was great. <laughs> we don't talk about the others, <laughs> but I mean, it, it also, it will give them a chance to cast another, you know, person of color in a great leading role. Um, because they've already said it would be a much younger version of Corliss, and also for them to build George's war- world out, you know, visually for us in you know so many different areas and everything. Because how many voyages was it? Seven, nine, nine. nine? Yeah. Okay, because I know it's behind my head. But it, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and there's more that aren't even announced that aren't up on there. So there's, yep. there's, yeah. a, there's a, a few in development, and uh, I, about that Corliss one, I'm particularly excited about that because you're talking about how good, you know, how important writing is. That one's being developed by Bruno Heller, who did Rome. And if any of y'all watched Rome, great show, um, short-lived, but he's got the chops, I think, to do something like this. So the actor who played Marcus uh, Antonius in Rome said that he joked with a couple of the other actors how they were, like, they won't, they wouldn't do Game of Thrones because... Because it kind of stole their thunder, kind yeah. of, you know, and that was they were joking, but now it's good to see Bruno Heller, the writer, involved in that. But yeah, so Tara's comment is really important there because expanding the world, they go to all these different places, and you're going to see he's going to voyage to all these different places, and the fans will respond to certain locations, and it also gives them more chance to have a much wider, more diverse cast for all these different random places and creating creatures and sets and not just dragon imagery uh, or wolf imagery or what have you, and. Yeah, what fans respond to has got a better chance of being the next show or yeah, <laughs> something like yeah, that. Yeah, so if Corley's goes to E.T., maybe they're more likely to greenlight the E.T. Um, animated show that's in development, um, mm-hmm. The Golden Empire. Um, and I, th- I think that in House of the Dragon, we might see some of Corley's, um treasures that he brought from these journeys. And so like, we might see in the show him uh, obtain those things as well. Yeah. I think the show I'm most excited about is that is 10,000 Ships, which is the story of Princess Nymeria of the Roinar, which also gets into the same thing of um, the Sea Snake show, where you get to see a lot of different locations and see the world. Um, and there's not a lot of overlap there. Like, the places she goes are they, not really the places he goes. Yeah, they go so. very different places. And I think the Nymeria story would be a very resonant story because it's a lot about, like, a refugee crisis is really what it's about. Rather than explorer, yeah. Um, and rather than, yeah, exploring. So I think it would, it would be a heartbreaking show. And um, it's being developed by Amanda Siegel, who I have heard is apparently very on top of the lore, has been like, that, that she's like, out of everyone but Ryan, that she's like the, been the most passionate about like getting things right. And they'd have a real chance to show, to start off with a bang, because you know, the Valyrians destroy the Romish <laughs> empires, is what starts this refugee crisis in the first place. And so. if you're not familiar, the Roinar are the ancestors of the Dornish. The Dornish, um, you know, Oberyn and all that, they are descended from Nymeria herself. But they would have a bit of a retcon there as well. Didn't they remove them in Game of Thrones? To tank? Or they, no. didn't, they didn't refer to them anyways, right? They, they refer to them, okay. yeah. They just, um, part of the title. They um, took the title away. But yeah. they still, the Dornish are still descended. And they right. did refer to, and Arya names her wolf after Nymeria. Right. Yeah, oh, yeah, obviously. I mean, she already exists. So, yeah, she, she yeah. exists. Yeah. The sun is Dorn, the spear is... <laughs> yeah. Also, it's past time for them to fix yes. how badly they wronged yeah. Dorn in the show. Yeah, they need to, they need to repave over that with some quality. You know? Is anyone in the audience particularly excited by any of these spinoffs? Like, is it the one that catches your eye? Which one? Duncan Egg. Duncan Egg, yeah. I think that, that would encourage George to put more Duncan Egg material, right? Yeah. You would get to see another thing. That's another example of going to a lot of places, but we get to see it from 
of, of non-nobles, which is great. I mean, Egg is a noble, but he, he's not traveling around as one, you know, except in the extreme circumstances. But yeah, it's usually the gritty, like, day-to-day, like, sleeping under trees, <laughs> rather than... I mean, these stories have mostly been about the nobility. Even, the POV, even in the books, almost every POV chapter is from someone who had a, a big head start in life. Well, I mean, and, and logistically, they could even just make Duncan Egg into movies as well. Like each yeah. each of those novellas could absolutely be put into a two hour or two hour and twenty minute movie. Easily. And they involve the Blackfire Rebellions as a backdrop, which is obviously one of the more interesting, fun parts of the Song of Ice and Fire history. Personally, like currently, Duncan Egg isn't on the docket as being animated, but I'm still rooting for them to pivot to it being animated because I think that it really would do better that way because Egg will age up. Young Egg Targaryen will age up too quickly right. for the events of the books, in my opinion, yeah. and casting Dunk will be a very difficult part. He's a very tall man. Like, he's only 17 years old when the books start, and he's like, and he's massive. Like That's a very difficult role to cast, but I could see it so easily animated, so I have a little hope for that. Especially if it was the right animation style. Yeah. Like, yeah. Don't give me Pixar, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no. Give me, like, Pixar. Rankin. That they've been working on for some of the shows as being um, akin to some stuff in Love, Death, and Robots, yeah. which is a gorgeous style. Um, I'd love to see something kind of like arcane um, and, and like into the Spider Verse, like that kind of um, whatever that that style that they use for that as mm. well. Um, but yes, I, I think there's a lot of ways they could go with doing different animation styles. I think the only reason I wouldn't pick Duncan Egg is the one I'm most excited about is because I really. There needs to be at least one more Duncan Egg story, yes. if not have this those stories be complete before they go to screen. Because I, 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 I've been burned once, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder if like what he's done, if the, if the like he might summaries for those are enough. To, yeah, you know, like yeah, he doesn't have be. to have them fully written. But you're right; I would want more <laughs> as well. But <laughs> I would say probably for me, like I do have like like Snow is my the one I'm least excited for, and Duncan Egg probably is like. Low, second lowest for me just because of that um, wild card element of it not being complete at all. Um, um, we have a question, question here? Yeah. I, for one, am very interested in the Golden Empire. You mean, mm. I've told you I've studied the history more as much as I can, but I can't recall ever hearing of this E.T. Yeah, they're, they're mentioned very little. It's actually, it is mentioned right away in the first book in Game of Thrones, it's in Daenerys' chapter. Uh, it's referred to a lot, but it's, it's be, if it's between Valyria and Ashai, it's the nation in between there. It's large. It's, kind of a, it's, it's kind Chinese. Of a, yeah. It's Chinese, it's, yeah. yeah. It's, it's very much fashioned on Chinese history. <laughs> we don't have a map with us, but uh, we could maybe show you uh, after. <laughs> <laughs> pull it up on the wiki. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very large, and it's on the other side of the great mountain. Yeah. The, the great mountain pass that the Dothraki won't cross. It's on the other side of that. Yeah, yes. it's, oh, it's really far. It's very far and very ancient. It's a very long dynasty. Um, just, I mean, just like real world China. Like, it really is very modeled after um, China. I can do a plug for this, actually. We did an episode recently on ET with um, Chris Stewart of the History of China podcast. And um, 
there was a lot more there than I thought um, going into the episode. I was like, three-hour episode we did. Like, yeah, it got really big. Um, so, like, and then you wouldn't think that something like, Ooh, some fans have never heard of E.T., but we can talk for three hours about it. Well, how many pages does it have in the world of Ice and Fire? Like, one? Or is it just a it's blur? A little more than that. No, there's a little it more is a couple that, pages. But, it's been yeah. a long time since yeah, I've read it. It's, it's not so. long. It's not it's a long section, long, for yeah. sure. That the world of Ice and Fire up there, I think? Yeah. But isn't it, don't they have a bunch of forts there that are kind of like the wall? Like a little past, a little north of that, but yes, closer to them than the wall is. It was part of E.T. Now it's not. So it's kind of like they, they <laughs> probably built it, but they know their the empire is fractured now and there's like three different rulers currently and there's been different times more than that. But they, yeah, it's really, it's a, it's a great setup for... Yep, that's trying to all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there, yep, you got it. And it has, uh, it's got roads that are the second best in the world next to Delirian roads. So it's got, one thing that's different about it in China is it's, heavily jungled, so it doesn't have as much of the windswept barren. It does have that, but they don't control that anymore. That's the part they've lost. Aztecs with it. Yes, it's Chinese Aztecs. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, we have on here a bunch of the books. As we were talking about the world of ice and fire, and that's a beautiful book. If you're if you're interested in history and lores, um, I do really recommend that in particular. Beautiful art all throughout it, and um, it, it's a great addition to your collection. Fire and Blood is obviously what's being adapted um, for House of the Dragon. So if you want to read the story, you'd be best served by picking up Fire and Blood. Although it is there, it is the tale of the Dance of the Dragons is told in the main series a bit. And in the Rogue Prince and the Princess and the Queen, mm-hmm. there's a few places you can read about it, but your best bet is to pick up Fire and Blood. Yeah. Also, The World of Ice and Fire is a great, like, looking book. It's a great coffee table book. And then when, like, your normie family or friends come and visit and pick it up to, like, flip through it, they get very confused. <laughs> Personal experience. <laughs> and if you want to get really down with the maps, there's the Lands of Ice and Fire book, which was published um, before The World of Ice and Fire, even. So it was our first look at some of the like wider world of the Song of Ice and Fire where we're like, what's Bone Town? Like, we've never heard of this. You know, that kind of thing. And those are like big, it's a map book where you pull out the maps and uh, unfold them. Yeah, and they have um, like Tyrion's travels where they take, where, where they show you everywhere that Tyrion went around the whole world. Like little like, arrow they have a city map of Bravos and of King's Landing. So that's also a, a great addition. That's the only map where you can see where the Tower of Joy is. <laughs> and if you like cooking, get the cookbook. Yes, abs- I actually, I, I highly, highly recommend the cookbook. I made about fifteen of their recipes. Really? Yeah. I didn't know 15, that. Nice. But if you're total your noob favorite? at cooking, you need also a, a general cookbook because it is not yeah. for the novices. Like um, <laughs> my favorite is, uh, I think it's called like. Dollar's Ed's chicken. It's it's like a roast chicken stuffed with oats and prunes and carrots. And it sounds really weird, but it is freaking delicious. <laughs> I, I, I love Dollar's Ed, so like I had to make it. And his the quote that he says is like, don't trust a cook, they'll prune you when you least expect it. It's one of my favorite quotes of his. And so yeah, that was the first thing I made from there. And I, I probably made that like five times, just as a regular meal. It's so good. So I have a couple of different potential questions for the panel, but also reiterate for people that came in. We're taking questions at any time. Ideally, if you come up to the mic so we can hear you properly, any question related to Game of Thrones or House of the Dragon, please come up. Otherwise, we have some questions here or if anything else the panel wants to discuss, I'll leave it open to the panel. And, um, what do we have there? Let's not bash Game of Thrones too much. We did that in the three years ago. <laughs> yes, we did. There was, a, there was an article about well, it that has got some questions here. Pulled go. from the internet. Comfortable and your questions. 
I'm Alexander. I'm waiting for Winds of Winter. AA meeting. My question is, there was a quote from George where he talked about how brand chapters are the hardest to write yeah. because they're the most supernatural, and he usually refers to supernatural elements in very tangential or subtle ways. I guess I was wondering how hard do you think he's going to go in the next book or two in terms of these supernatural elements? Like, how hard is Euron going to go? Is he going to ride a giant kraken, or is it just always going to be this mythical thing that we never quite see? Do you guys have any theories about that? I do think we'll see a kraken. Yeah, I do. I think I think there's a lot of clues um, for that, and that's that's a pretty big mythical thing right there. So I mean, I think. <coughs> It, it has to, like, it, it, the magic has been a pretty low level so far in the series, so I think by definition it just has to be more magical. And, like, we've already started to get into that a little bit. Um, and when he wrote the Melisandre chapter, for example, where we get a little more insight into that. Yeah. Well, and, and the candle, the glass candle, bur is now burning when it wasn't before. Right. So the dragon's hatching kind of awoke something that... I think it's just, it's building up to, yeah. we're gonna see a lot more magic. Now, is Euron going to ride a I don't, dragon? I don't know about that. But. I think a dragon will appear, and I don't know that it'll like really be, you're, I don't think Euron will really have control over that. Yeah. No. Euron like, is dealing with sorcery and all sorts of, and, and blood magic and stuff that the show didn't even touch do, on. Do you agree <laughs> that he's, he's like a uh, failed disciple of Bloodraven? Is that, is that, that is one theory that, that theory. has some, some strong but incomplete evidence. That there's also, uh, just to, just from quotes that he's given to characters early on in the series that haven't really come to play yet, like uh, Corrin Halfin says, yeah, like tell Mormont the eyes of, the trees have eyes again. We're living in an age of gods and monsters. And that hasn't fully formed yet. <laughs> it's still in the process. Like I said, the dragons aren't even really grown yet. Uh, you've got prophecies coming true, lots of prophecies coming true, and that's going to... You like to call it a new age of heroes. Yeah, it's the second age of heroes, I think. Um, you know, that what we're seeing, like, think about in a thousand years from the events of A Song of Ice and Fire, how people in Westeros will remember what happened during this age. Like, it will, it'll be, it'll be so muddied and conflicted that you'll, you'll just hear, like, about Arya as, like, some mythical figure. You won't really know what happened. Like, think of what Jon Snow really is, rather than the way he's been presented. You've got to know him, and he gets all these things all the time. But if you look back on Jon Snow, he is Targaryen, Stark, Lord Commander, King in the North, Undead, Dragon Riding, like... That sounds insane, <laughs> right? If you just were to read all that as a, as a list, you would be like, who the heck is this guy? So it would sound really heroic and like this is like a beyond, more beyond life type of large. Well, I mean, figure. and Valyrian sword wielding too. Yeah, like that, that's, that's a thing yeah, that right. people like, kind of like gloss over, but it's a, so extremely things. important. <laughs> and they had a pet wolf as well, right? So yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Why do you even say Warg? I mean, yeah, there's so many like skin He's changer, nice. dreamer. Yeah. Like, <laughs> You can't even name all his titles. <laughs> all right, we got another question here. Hi, my name's Lauren. Um, I started getting into Game of Thrones just, you know, I'm one of the ones that watched the series, fell in love with it, and then just started reading up on lore because I found it super fascinating. Nice. Um, so in terms of, I know there's a lot of big historical events, and uh, one of the ones that I was super interested in is The Long Night. Um, can you tell me, like, uh, what specific historical events in the world are you kind of hoping that they're going to address in the future shows? Ooh, good question. Um, That's a very good question. Well, there's, uh, there's certainly, beyond ones that we've already covered, there's a few that, that 
we've maybe mentioned already that happened during the dance or that happened in the Targaryen era. But yeah, there's some, like the coming, the really early times where the, the children were prominent, um, the yes. times of the first men. That was We almost got to see that in, in the Blood Moon show that didn't happen. They were going to try to explore that, but they didn't. They didn't have a strong knowledge of George's world, so that may not have that may have disappointed a lot of us if, if it had actually come <laughs> on the screen. But something like that would be amazing. Um, the Long Night would be a fantastic one because they would have to delve into why it's seen the way it is now, like where the seeds of the myths were born and these legends and what really happened. Uh, what are, what are some, do you guys have some ideas? I'm going to try to think some more. You know those black monolith things that are everywhere? Oh, like the strange stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that'd be good. Be or the Great Empire of the Dawn. You can do super yeah. far ancient Very history, pre-Long Night. Um, so we mentioned the fall of Doom of Valyria, but you could also have Valyria well before the Doom and just have stories there. And yeah, Apex, yeah. Apex I, dragon riders and... Yeah, we did bring up Nymeria, but that would definitively be my answer for a historical period. <laughs> I would like to see the fall of the Roinar and her, their flight from the Roinar. They go through so many different... Look at, that would be my pick for a historical time period, but I would also love to see the Blackfire rebellions, um, which aren't written yet, like that he hasn't fully written that out. So I, I want to see it, but I don't really, you know, like I want to see it when it's the right time to see it. Yeah. Yeah, you get more human conflict there. They have no dragons, no monsters, but uh, more relationships probably than even how's the dragon portrayed. Well, we'll see about that. <laughs> and, I, and I think a lot of people probably would like to see some histories for House Stark as well. Oh, yeah. um, like that, that really, they, they, other than the snow show, they really haven't, um, they aren't doing a lot with the North, and so I, I think doing something there would be good. Yeah. Any other questions for, from the audience? I can continue questioning, but this is your chance. If you want to dig deep, <laughs> <laughs> you can see or anything. So if I ask another one? Go sure. ahead. Yeah. We're all talking about doing ones done in the past, but do you think we're going to do any stories that happen after Game of Thrones? Well, the snow show, if that one happens, that would be the first example. Um, and if it works, then they'd be more encouraged to do more. But I think in the long run, yes, I wouldn't expect that in the short term. I think that mostly they're trying to work with what George has already done. So they're, before they go off of, away from what George has already done, uh, you know, it just makes sense to stick with what he's done so far. And once they run out of that, then I imagine they'll entertain that more later. But... And there's also a lot yet. of backlash from the end of yeah. Game of Thrones that no I, 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 think, <laughs> yeah. I think that right now they don't, I've seen, I've read some articles and it's, it just really sounds like they don't want to admit that they screwed up and they know how badly they pissed off the fans, but they do. Um, yeah. They'd have to be blind not to see it. And they'd also have to be stupid to think that the opinions of millions and millions of fans don't matter at all. So I, I think that it would be, other than the snow show, it, it's going to be a long while before they try to, if ever, before they try to move beyond what George has written. Other, and you've seen that in other fandoms. It's hard to do that. Like, uh, it took a while for even Star Wars to move forward. They mostly just did, did stuff in the past, and uh, yeah. Lord of the Rings is starting in the past. Yeah, it is hard to move forward after such a big epic. Because um, you, you're building, you're basing things around the world that's been built, and the world that's been built is what you've seen, and the world that you the world that's been built also existed a little bit before that. But what exists after this new long night, what exists after the, you know, Daenerys and Jon and all that, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's difficult. Yeah, but, uh, but the other... That, yeah. Regardless of how you feel about king, Bran becoming king or not, mm -hmm. I can't help but to wonder what type of king he'll be. That, yeah, you're right. It would be interesting to see how they 
like having an omniscient, semi-omniscient, yeah, I mean, you uh, have to, you have semi-immortal thing. In the snow show, that Don would maybe interact with Bran at some point. It could set up. That's that's how they could set up more. That's why the snow show is so pivotal. If it happens, mm-hmm. it will enable them to drop hints of what other future stories could look like. Like you get Sansa for a minute, so you're like, oh, what's Sansa doing? Bran doing for a minute. Like, what happened to? Drogon, you know, <laughs> something out there. Like, I don't know if you do a whole show around Drogon, but <laughs> you could at least refer what's to the Drogon? dragon, you know. Uh, yeah, what's the deal with Drogon? <laughs> Make it a comedy, yeah. I, 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 I keep calling it the snow show, which really makes it seem like it's a talk show. Yeah, you know? like, yeah he just comes in and talks to you. What's new with you? <laughs> it's very, it's all very emo. Yeah. <laughs> but to, talking about building, like, uh, like promoting goodwill, like they put a lot of effort into the House of the Dragon experience here, and there's an app coming out. That they, mm-hmm. Apparently, you can write, write, use your own dragon. Apparently, yeah. Has anyone here done the offsite, um, the House of the Dragon offsite? Yeah, yeah, we did. Too. I'm um, supposed to be doing it like this evening. Oh, Very excited. Yes, so yes, we did the offsite, and you do get to hatch your dragon, and you get to name it, and pick a different different eggs and colors. Like I've got a, a beautiful purple and like pinkish dragon, and he's got like a blue and black one. Mm-hmm. It's like, and they've got different horns. The app's very cool. The app will be launching on July 25th to everyone. Even if you don't do the offsite, you can get the Dracaris app, um, and it's like an augmented reality. It's kind of like not it's not as interactive as Pokemon Go, but the same concept where like you you put your camera and you can see it, you can feed your dragon, and your dragon will grow and stuff like that. So it's a Tamagotchi. Yeah, it's yes, Tamagotchi. We've got four minutes left, so I'm going to let the panelists promote uh, some of the things that they're involved in. It's going to Ice and Fire Con first. Oh yeah, hey, there we are. So Ice and Firecon was uh, created way back in 2012. We had our first event in 2013. So next year is our 10th year. Now granted, we did have to have two virtual conventions, but the, hey, whatever, it still counts. Um, it's, it's, it's our 10th year running, so I'm very excited. We've got some really big things planned. Um, as you can see up there, we've got this stuff over here. Westeros, uh, an American musical. It's a Hamilton Game of Thrones parody musical. It's, it's so great. Funny. It's yes. great. Um, and then Queens is the new one that we did this year. It's a six and uh, Game of Thrones Song of Ice and Fire parody musical. It's basically a love letter to the Song of Ice and Fire fandom especially so many deep cuts it's super good yeah it's got some real deep cuts but like imagine imagine Aegon Targaryen's using tinder (laughs) it's that kind of thing you can't find them on YouTube yes yeah yeah Tara was Cersei Lannister herself and she was amazing they were very good it's worth it Uh, for sure um, but yeah, and we'll be bringing Queens back to Ice and FireCon next year. Like that's going to be one of our big programming things. Um, we're yeah. going to be making it bigger and better. So I'm very. Yeah, they've done the rehearsal. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. That, I mean, that's what we did with Westeros. We have we have the cold cut, and then we have the uh, the finished product. I guess. Let me tell you the kind of special things that can happen at Ice and FireCon based on an event that happened this year. Every year they do a sword fight with fake swords, like you know, plastic swords. It's really fun, like a melee. Everybody gathers cool and watches. Pool noodles. Pool noodle jousting, right? That kind of thing. But then at the end, a man stood up and dueled another man. They had an epic duel, and he defeated him and named a, ter- a queen of love and beauty. And it was an actual real proposal. And uh, yeah, that's the, you know, you can't do that in a big place like this. I'm not sure. I, like, people wouldn't even notice. <laughs> Are they doing a scene? Is that what's going on there? But, but the, all eyes on the con were watching. The phone was great. So 
That's the difference between small cons and large cons, and uh, so. And we did. There was David J. Peterson there this yeah. past year. Yeah, so don't so think you don't have big names still. Yeah. yeah. yeah so oh, by the way, let me say something about him real quick. David J. Peterson, he wrote House of the Dragon will be the first ever TV show with a written language made by a language designer. You may have seen written languages from other shows and movies before. It's always the art department that makes those. It doesn't have consistency or not made by someone who has made languages before. So Game of Thrones, the original show, was the first ever show to have a language made by a language creator. And this is the first one to ever have a written language made by a language creator. And it's the same guy. So uh, look for lots of Valyrian writing on things everywhere. And just that's part of the backdrop. Too exciting. One minute left. I'll just do our podcast real quick. I do podcast Vice and Fire for Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon and Bastard's King's Raven for anime, manga, that kind of stuff. And then in the last minute, I'll let Aziz and Ashay talk about their podcast. Yeah, we do History of Westeros, as you can see. Um, we will be covering House of the Dragon um, every week. And then we'll be back to covering, we've been going through the world of ice and fire, um, as, as I mentioned. And um, then we'll see what we do after that. Yeah, we've been doing that for about as long as Ice and Firecon's been around. And mm, 10 years now. We do live streams every week and scripted content with, with art and visuals and, and uh, you know, people reading quotes and stuff like that. So it's a good time. If you're into the lore, we're, uh, we're a good option. <laughs> Perfect. And the last thing, if anyone plays the board game, we have a survey for that. We're trying to do a tournament for that. But otherwise, thank you so much, panelists, and thank you, audience, for coming. Thank Hope you, guys. Next year. Thank you for listening to the Geek Saga podcast. If you like what you heard, please check out other Geek Saga entertainment endeavors, including the Sagas and Sass webcast and podcast and Ice and Fire Con.